The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. Writing is meant to sort of take a long time. You know, it's kind of like slow cooking. Um, it's better the, the the longer it takes in a way because you are practicing all of those years that you're trying and writing drafts and maybe succeeding, maybe not succeeding. But I always tell my students, like, there's not a word wasted in the sense that even if you write an entire novel, which I have, and put it in a drawer, that is a useful experience. So you're just sort of in it because you love it. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your grateful host, Calton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Newbery Honor-winning children's author, Vera Hiranandani, spoke with me about her former life in publishing, why no word is ever wasted, and her anticipated middle-grade novel, A Meal in the After. Vera is an award-winning author of several books for young people and a faculty member with the MFA in Writing for Children and Young Adults program at the Vermont College of Fine Arts. Emile in the After is her latest work of children's fiction, a standalone sequel to her Newbery Honor winner, The Night Diary. It was named an Amazon Best Book of the Month, January 2024, and in a starred Kirkus review, the book was called a masterpiece of nuance, vulnerability, and emotional complexity quietly brilliant, deeply insightful story of living in uncertain times. Vera earned her MFA in fiction writing at Sarah Lawrence College and was a former book editor at Simon & Schuster. In this file, Vera and I discussed why writing is like slow cooking, how to write historical fiction if you're not good at history, why you need to follow your writerly instincts, the importance of accountability partners, learning from your mistakes, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. 
All right, we are back on the Writer Files today, and I am honored today to be joined by an esteemed guest. Of course, we have an acclaimed Newbery Honor winning author, Vera Hiranandani, is hanging out with us today. And I can't wait to talk about all things writing, the writing life, and of course, your latest. But um, yeah, how are things over there um, these days? And uh, uh, what's, what's the vibe like? Yeah, well, um, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And things are busy. It's 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 a good thing if things are busy when, you know, you're near a book release. The book came out on January 23rd, so I'm 2 weeks out. <laughs> yeah. Dates are confusing me, but um but things are really busy, which is exciting. So Great. Great. Well, congrats, of course. Thank you. Um on the latest a meal and the after, and you can correct my pronunciation, of course, but yes, no, that's it. I can't wait to talk about um, the latest and then, and then just kind of your superhero origins as a writer, because I, I, I love this kind of winding path that you've had. And of course, I mean, it, it's almost as if you've won every award out there for young adult and, and children's literature. Um, and of course, you're an educator now, um, but I want to take you back a little bit and talk about kind of this winding path to bestseller and award winner and yeah, just, uh, I don't know, just how you got here, what, what inspired you to become an author of historical young adult fiction? Sure. Well, it, it was a winding path and it was many, many years, over many, many years, which is not uncommon. I think that writing is meant to sort of take a long time, you know, it's kind of like slow cooking. Um, it's better the, the, the longer it takes in a way, because you are practicing all of those years that you're trying and writing drafts and maybe succeeding, maybe not succeeding. But I always tell my students, like, there's not a word wasted in the sense that even if you write an entire novel, which I have, and put it in a drawer, that is a useful experience. So you're just sort of in it because you love it. That's really the way I've approached it. Not that I haven't had disappointments or stresses and things like that. But um, when I was a kid, I was a very creative kid. And I loved making things. I loved making up stories and drawing pictures and doing all kinds of craft and art projects. So I was definitely oriented that way. And that kind of lit up my brain more than some other things like regular school. And so I had no idea that I would become a historical novelist. Like I never thought that was going to be my path because I wasn't even that great a history student. And I had trouble sort of focusing on all the names and dates and then, you know, doing well on the test. So, um, I really needed stories to connect me to not only the history I was learning, but the world. So, you know, I, I took my first creative writing class in high school, and then I took a few more in college. I was a creative writing minor in college. And then I started working um, in a law firm in their marketing department. When I graduated college, I got this job in New York City for one year in a corporate law firm. <laughs> and I went running back to graduate school. Um, I just felt like I need to go back to school immediately. And I seemed to really love writing. And I, and I fell in love with a more formal sense of writing when I was taking my first college level creative writing classes. And that was the first time it even dawned on me that this was 
a possible career path, even though I knew I'd probably have to pair it with many other jobs, which I did. But I really wanted to just dedicate myself to learning more about the craft. And then I got my MFA at Sarah Lawrence College. And that was an incredible experience. But I was still very young. I was in my mid-20s. And I was still just so young and learning about the world. And it took me a while to figure out where I really wanted to focus. So I did write a novel in that program. I wrote a lot of short stories. A few of them I published in kind of shorter journals that probably don't even exist anymore. But then I worked in publishing for a while. And I worked at Simon & Schuster for several years. And I I eventually moved into the children's department. And I started to fall in love with children's literature and, and really started to understand all the possibilities that it held. And then I started writing my first book, which is the whole story of half a girl. Um, but this is over a span of about <laughs> 15 years. So it took me a while to publish my first book. Yeah. I mean, it's an inspiring story. And, you know, I understand now you are also an educator. Of course, you are teaching at the Vermont College of Fine Arts. I understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a faculty member, you're, te- you're also teaching writing for children and young adults, you know, um, eating your own dog food, if you will. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know that's a, such an awful phrase. <laughs> I'm just trying to like picture it metaphorically. <laughs> I know. But uh, no, it's cool. Um, this story of this, of course, as you put it, this very uh, circuitous route um, to today. And yeah, um, the accolades that followed and yeah, I guess understanding or seeing the possibilities uh, within this particular genre. And it seems like there are different taxonomies within, of course, children and young adult fiction. And and talk to us a little bit about the historical piece, kind of winding that in and then bringing it back to like bringing impactful work to the genre. And, you know, what, how and why this is it's so important, especially for young adults right now. Well, again, I was just sort of following what spoke to me the most, you know, writing a an adult novel that I never tried to publish as practice always made me, I was writing about characters that were older than I was. And this was, you know, in my twenties. And I really just felt like I was pretending so much and I hadn't, I hadn't had a lot of lived experience. And so when I attempted another novel, I started to familiarize myself with the children's and YA world. You know, I had grown up reading what many people did of my generation, like, you know, E.B. White and Beverly Cleary and Madeline Langle and and Judy Bloom and all that. And I love those books very much. But that was kind of all I thought about when I thought about writing for children. So I started to read much more modern authors and understanding the genre more and the form more and all the different forms. But middle grade fiction, which is connected, uh, some people, you know, lump together YA and middle grade fiction because it's past the sort of early chapter books and it's full novels. Um, But middle grade is, you know, for younger kind of middle school, young middle school, or even upper elementary school. And then YA is more teen fiction. For me, um, middle grade fiction was really appealing because 
I just remember my life so clearly when I was 11, 12, 13, and how I was navigating the world. I had to change schools. I didn't have any friends at my new school. I was um, confronting new questions about my own identity. I come from a mixed background. So my mother is Jewish and grew up in the New York area. And my father is from India and came here to the U.S. when he was in his 20s and my parents met and um, got married in the late 60s. And then I grew up in Connecticut. And so when I changed schools, people started to ask me about my background in ways that I didn't always find so comfortable. And I really had to sort of see why, you know, why people were asking the questions they were and what my identity meant to me. And so that was really the, when I was writing my first book, I, I went back to that time. That wasn't, that's not a historical novel, although a lot of my memories took place in the 70s and 80s. So I guess it's historical, but I set it as just a contemporary fiction where it could take place anytime. And then I started, after I published that book, I wrote a chapter book series that was, you know, just sort of me practicing being kind of lighter and funnier and, and celebrating my love for food because food has always connected me to both of the cultures in my family, food cultures in my family. So that chapter book series is called Phoebe G. Green. But my father, he had to leave his home during the partition of India in 1947 when he was nine. And so I grew up knowing that story and knowing a little bit about that history, but not too much. Um, but I certainly didn't learn about it in school. Um, maybe there was a line in a textbook that said, you know, India became independent August 1947 and split into two countries, Pakistan and India. But I wasn't really connecting that with the story my father told me about, you know, just being told at nine that they had to suddenly leave and pack a few bags and got on a train and crossed the border. And so he went from what is now Pakistan over the new border um, in India to Jodhpur first, and then eventually he went to um, Bombay, which is now called Mumbai. And as I got older, I, I became more interested in what this meant and why he had to do this and what what he and my uncles and aunts and grandparents had experienced. And I started reading more about it. It took me years to sort of get the um, courage up to even think about tackling that subject for my um, next novel, which is called The Night Diary, which is about a 12-year-old girl who writes a fictional diary about having to leave her home during the partition of India. But I I just thought, really, can I do this? You know, I'm not a, an academic. I'm not a historian. Would I be able to do enough research? You know, I didn't obviously experience this. Am I and I grew up in Connecticut, and I sort of too distanced from this history. But it is my family history, and I really had this strong desire to understand more about what happened. So I just started doing research and writing notes for years. And finally, one day, I just thought it would be, it felt right to, to do it as a middle grade novel for that age, um, because my sensibility always brings me back to that age. And this kind of like, moment of where you're still young and have this innocent sense of the world and yet you're starting to have more sophisticated thoughts 
you're starting to ask more questions. You're starting to realize that adults may not know everything and you thought that they did. And that can all, always be really um, kind of highlighted and emphasized in some kind of historical background or moment of crisis. And so I thought it was important to kind of capture what I knew about this history in a fictional story for young people, for those who have a family connection like me, or for those who don't know anything about this history because it affected millions of people. It didn't happen long ago. And I wanted more people to know about it because there's a lot we can learn from it. So I wrote The Night Diary, and um, and now I've just returned to um, that world um, in my follow-up, A Meal and the After. But yeah, I, I really love turning real history into fiction. I didn't know that I would love it so much, but there's so many connections you can make to the present world and then see what's kind of resonating and repeating. And it's not always a fun experience because I'm writing about difficult topics and then I'm watching all of these things happen in, in our current world that are resonating and making connections that I, I, I don't want us to be making the same mistakes over and over as human beings, but we, we seem to. So intellectually it's, it's interesting, you know. Interesting that you address that because the, uh, book was very well received and, and the follow-up to your Newbery honor winner. Yeah. I mean, so going back, I mean, after having won that Newbery, what, what was that feeling like? Because that's a pretty big accomplishment, I think, for a, an author um, alone. Was it, was it a moment of, ah, this is like, I've arrived. Was it a moment of kind of like just utter <laughs> shock, joy, shock, joy. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things, I think. I was definitely very surprised, as I think most people are, you know, when they win a big award, you, you know, I never thought that that would happen. I, I remember telling my agent, I want to write a middle grade novel based on the partition of India. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and so I just kind of went for it because I had to. And it wasn't, I really wasn't thinking about what I wanted from it. Um, it was very much a personal exploration that I needed to have. And I needed to kind of explore it from a young person's eyes. Um, and I'm also always challenging myself writing wise with, you know, changing points of view or the structure in some way. So I was intrigued about writing it as an epistolary novel. She writes a diary, but there are letters to her mother who's no longer living. Um, and so her mother is Muslim and her father is Hindu. And she has a twin brother, Emil, who we focus on in my most recent novel. Um, and so I really wanted her to be asking those questions where do I belong when my country is being split apart across religious lines? And, and now these two religious groups are sort of set against each other. And I have a connection to those two groups, those two identities. And so what does that mean for me? And um, that was a question I think a lot of people asked about the partition, the, the, area that my father grew up in, Mirpurkas, there was a lot of um, kind of a certain kind of fluidity between different religious groups. Um, and certainly there were tensions before the partition. It's not like it all just suddenly um, happened in that moment. 
But my dad remembers, you know, the Hindu community and the Muslim community and the Sikh community um, having some certain kinds of overlaps in the way that they practiced and their traditions and um, very little tension between the groups. And then suddenly the lines were drawn um, by the British who were leaving, you know, because India was becoming independent and that was supposed to be a really triumphant time for India. But these lines, some of them were drawn right through cities and communities. And as we see over and over, you know, these borders, um, thinking maybe it'll give people kind of the space, you know, that it will somehow improve things. So you have this space over here and you have this space over here. It just really pits people against each other. And so that's really what I'm kind of exploring as Nisha goes through these few months as they leave and, you know, their lives are at risk as many people's were. And then, you know, they eventually go through what they have to go through and kind of make it to Jodhpur. But for my next book, I really wanted to, or my next book based on this, I wrote a book in between about more of my mother's side of the family and kind of a historical novel based on some of the things that my parents actually went through when they decided to get married in the 60s. Um, but then when I returned to the world of the night diary, I really wanted to look at what happens after we go through something really difficult. You know, how do we rebuild our lives and how do we kind of take ourselves that have been changed forever by what we've been through and kind of respect the ways that we're wounded, um, but also maybe we've been strengthened or we've learned new things as survivors in that sense. And I think sometimes we don't focus on that part a lot because it's not as dramatic, you know? And so like a lot of books will focus on the immediate crisis, especially historical novels are going to be maybe focusing on some huge historical event that often is some kind of crisis or war or conflict. And, um, but then what happens after people kind of are over the, the, the biggest danger and they've survived. And I was thinking a lot about, I wrote it during, um, right after the first year of the pandemic, I started the manuscript and I was thinking a lot about that and what we had, we were still going through it, but the first year was so shocking and so jarring. Um, and so I was thinking a lot about that, but I think you sort of asked me, I'm now circling back to the beginning. Of your <laughs> um, you know, what did it feel like to win a Newbery honor, uh, with the night diary? And I was, completely shocked. I, I really was so surprised, but it was incredibly validating. And I felt like, I think for me, it was like, just follow your instincts. Like, I think my own writerly instincts are leading me in directions where, where it's good for me as a writer and obviously resonating with other people. But it was, um, it was incredible. And definitely, you know, there is a before and after of like before the Newbery honor and after the Newbery honor, it definitely changed my life as a writer and it's really just more that I feel more secure that if I write something and I revise it 20 times, you know, I have a good chance of getting it published. <laughs> Whereas if you, if you, you know, maybe not as many people know who you are, you don't, you just never know. And so I just feel like I know a little more now and, you know, maybe have more of a, an audience out there. I could um, rap with you about it. 
uh, at length. We have a shorter amount of time today, but yeah, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, of course, and congrats on the reception for Emil and after, obviously it's been Thank you. Um, a big success. It was a uh, best book of the month on Amazon for January 24, 2024. And of course I, we want to drop a link to the, uh, bookshop.org yeah. to uh, support uh, our local bookstores. So I'll drop a link to the book uh, for that one. And then, yeah, a um, couple star reviews that were very sweet and uh, recently covered in the New York Times called a masterly standalone sequel um, to The Night Diary um, following the 12-year-old twins, Emil and Nisha, as they and their family settle into life in Bombay, a newly independent Indian. And of course, it, it's much more than that. And had mentioned that you don't sugarcoat the horrors of history. And of course, it's a book about hope, about Boy and his father, both hurt and vulnerable and navigating their traumas and finally surviving apart and then together. But um, as you mentioned, you know, kind of running up against more contemporary issues that we're all kind of dealing with, right? We call them, you know, on this show, we've talked so much about like kind of these concentric circles of crises that mm. are happening around the globe. And we're all kind mm -hmm. of um, engaged in this horrible um, kind of disaster, you know, 24 seven disaster yeah. viewing that isn't hard to find these days. But yeah, I mean, it does bring hope. And of course, congrats on the reception. Um, and I wanted to talk to you more about kind of what you're up to recently. But um, yeah, I love talking with educators, especially in their specific niches. But yeah, um, so you're teaching uh, your your craft there. But yeah, maybe give us the cliffs on kind of like the syllabus for this writing for children and young adults program. Because I, I mean, I'd love to have you back and talk more about the craft. But yeah, yeah. give us give us kind of like um, that opening kind of salvo, if you will. Yeah, well, I've been teaching for a long time in a number of different areas or in places, but I always wanted to teach in an MFA program. So I'm only a year into or set my second year into being faculty on the Vermont College of Fine Arts. And so it's a low residency program. So twice a year, students gather and faculty gathers for 10 days to have kind of a boot camp writing retreat. And we do a lot of workshops and lectures and kind of fit almost an entire semester worth of workshops and lectures in those 10 days. But then I work individually with students online during the semester. And so I'm not doing group workshops. I'm having these very kind of intense uh, writerly correspondence where they send me work and they write a letter talking about what they've done. And then I read all of their work and their letter and I write a letter back um, with very specific, extensive feedback on what they're doing. And so I'm always learning when I'm doing that, you know, because often somebody's either writing maybe in an area that I'm not as familiar with, like fantasy or science fiction or something like that. And um, so I need to kind of read more to be able to respond. Um, of course, a story is a story, and I can kind of access any story in any genre and talk about, you know, the the character development and are you opening up scenes and are you, um, you know, how are you managing the dramatic tension and what does your plot look like and all of that. Um, so that can apply to any story. And that's what I do, whether it's a picture book or a YA novel and everything in between. Um, but I'm also just learning more about different forms and different genres. And then 
you know, I have been doing this for a while. So it's nice also to have gathered a lot of information by all of the (laughs) twists and turns and mistakes and triumphs that I've had Mm -hmm. and be able to kind of share that with my students in this one-on-one way. So I can really focus on their work and their growth over that semester. And then I always come away just kind of knowing a little bit more about writing itself and who I am. And um, so I really love it. Is there something um, gratifying about kind of teaching at that level? Yeah. I mean, it's really nice. I've worked with kind of non-credit programs and, and taught in different areas where I've seen a huge range of skill level and experience. And in an MFA program, they have to get accepted into the program. So automatically, there's a certain kind of level and a certain kind of dedication um, from the students and a a certain passion that they have for their work that's really exciting to engage with on my end, you know, that I'm Mm -hmm. not sort of kind of forcing it on anybody, you know, we're all right. in this and we, and we all really are very engaged in this world and want to be there. So that's, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Amazing. So, uh, I know we're, we're kind of running out of time here shortly, but, um, can you talk a little bit about kind of the evolution of your process and, and, you know, how you feel about your, um, you know, how you're getting into flow state or, you know, how you get paid, how you're getting pages these days. Yeah. Um, well, it's always a struggle to be honest, to just get focused. So, um, I often just think that deadlines are, are your best friends and, and accountability. So, you know, certainly now I'm able to have my deadlines are with my editor, which can really up the stakes there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint my editor and not get the draft in on time. So I tend to split it up where I'm writing, you know, a certain amount of words every day to hit a certain word count. Um, but I think, and I still do that. I'm working on a project right now that I haven't even um, tried to sell yet. It's a YA novel in verse. So it's kind of, I always have like a private project that's just for me for a little Mm, while. mm -hmm. And so that accountability is, you know, I have a writing friend that we write together online, even though we're not that far away, but we started it during the pandemic. So we kind of keep each other accountable and moving forward by meeting once every week or once every few weeks to just write and then talk about where we are. Um, just sometimes telling a writing friend or anybody like, I want to hit this word count at this time, um, can just give you that, you know, that deadline to try to work with. So that I just write the words. I don't think too much about whether they're good or not. People ask me if I get blocked and I'm like, no, I just sort of force myself to write something that I think is just really not that good that day and say la vie. And sometimes I'm, I'm right about that. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, actually that's better than I thought when I read it over. So you never know. Don't trust your feelings that way. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think that is a, a really good uh, spot to kind of start to wrap up. If you have time, I have one fun one for you. Yeah, I do. If, if you could have, dinner with any author from any era to your favorite place (laughs) in the world for be it drinks, dinner, both, (laughs) who are we taking and where are we going? There are a lot of people, um, on that list and I'm trying to think now quickly. Um, (laughs) I mean, some of like one of my favorite authors is E.B. White. Charlotte's Web is one of my favorite books. And I, and also just the 
the kind of slowness of some of those stories, even there was plenty of tension and, but there was just a gentleness and like, you know, just an area where maybe he would just be describing like the way the farm looked for a while. And I wonder how they would be, if he was a current writer, you know, submitting these manuscripts, what, <laughs> how they would be handled. So maybe him, um, two of my favorite adult contemporary writers, um, I haven't had the chance. I meet a lot of children YA writers. So a lot of the people that I really admire, I get to meet and actually maybe have dinner with them. So it's yeah. really exciting. But um, I don't mix too much in the adult world. And so um, Jhumpa Lahiri and Mohsen Hamid are two of my favorite, maybe my favorite um, contemporary adult fiction writers out there. Mm -hmm. and so I would love to hang out with them and have dinner. Cool. That would be great. Where are we going? Oh, gosh. I don't, I mean, I love so many different types of food. <laughs> <laughs> you can cook. It would be hard. I do cook. I'm a pretty good home cook um, when I have the time. I have like, I, I could be a, a better cook um, if I if I focused. I have that sort of um, connection with food, but. We'll bring the groceries to you. Okay. And also a sous chef, so you can have some support there. Okay. And then and then I'll make some drinks in the corner. What are we drinking? Oh, what are we drinking? Um, I t I'm a wine drinker. I, I like wine more than any other alcohol, I think. Or sometimes a really good margarita. Okay. Well, I can make a mean margarita. So. You know, depends what kind of food we're having. <laughs> um, maybe we'll start with some bubbles. Yeah, or like a crisp rosé, prosecco oh, kind of thing. Oh. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love it. My mouth is watered. I need a glass of wine now. Um, I think it's that time. But thank you so much for hanging out with us, Vera. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this. We appreciate your words, your wisdom. And of course, I'll drop a link um, to all the spots and your home base there, verahiranandani.com. And uh, yeah, um, go hither and uh, we appreciate it. But please come back. I'd love to talk to you more about yes. um, writing for uh, this particular genre. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I could talk about writing all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I might make you do it. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.